0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers beat South Dakota State 64-50 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It completed a perfect November for the Hoosiers, and, you know, it was just kind of a meh game, and you know, we'll talk about that. I mean, you know, not, not Indiana's best performance, but... You know, as you kind of look at the context of everything, you know, we mentioned before the season started, Indiana absolutely could not afford to stub their toe in any of these games in November, and they didn't. They got through it unscathed, you know, didn't even really have any close shaves, and certainly there's something to be said for that. But also, there's something to be said for playing your best basketball at the end of this stretch. And, you know, we didn't really see that today from Indiana, uh, as we'll talk about in this game. Although there obviously were some positives to take away from it, uh, but we'll get into all of those here as we go through this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We're going to break it all down for you. And let's start the show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Who's Your Proud banner moment. And the banner moment came for me actually back in the first half. Uh, really kind of the one enjoyable stretch of basketball for Indiana, the one dominant stretch of basketball for Indiana on this day. It was 24 to 18 with about 6.15 to go. And this came on the heels of South Dakota State actually cutting it to 2 at 20 to 18. And so Indiana had, you know, scored four straight points and then just a tremendous defensive play uh, from Trace Jackson Davis. He had a few of these, you know, where he erased some mistakes. Uh, But, you know, Joey Brunk kind of had an awkward hedge, uh, you know, out past the three point line, which has kind of become a theme in some of these games and and hopefully gets cleaned up. But, you know, Trace just incredible instincts, incredible athleticism to recover, got a huge block shot. And then Justin Smith was able to get the rebound, took it coast-to-coast through contact for a dunk. It put Indiana up by six. It was part of an 11-0 run that you know really gave Indiana a double-digit lead that they kind of nursed for the rest of the game. And this was the one stretch where they did it. Um, and, and it was those two guys that were part of this play that were the keys for Indiana all day long. Trace Jackson Davis, Justin Smith, by far... The two best players on the court uh, for Indiana. And, you know, they really kind of showed what, what they both did the best today. Trace was active. He was alert, you know, made a big play. There it was with a block shot, but also had a lot of rebounds today. And Justin Smith was very aggressive going to the basket and did his offensive damage going to the basket. And on this one, didn't even need any of his teammates to help in transition. He just took it himself for the bucket. So we'll kind of expand on this point and talk about how well both of these two guys played because uh, it was essentially a two man show today for Indiana. but that play for me really summed it up and that's why it gets our banner moment. All right, and our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and remains based in Indianapolis. They are obviously feeling very triumphant as Indiana football is now one win away from making good on that nine-win Indiana shirt that they put out. The Hoosiers with eight wins now after winning the bucket, uh, bring the bucket back to Bloomington with that win over Purdue. So, congratulations to the football team. And look, if you you know you're looking for a way to celebrate this really strong Indiana football season of eight wins, the guys at home Home Field Apparel have the shirts. I mean, they've been releasing a new shirt every week. They've got tons of great shirts there. If you want to get the new Xander Diamant Bring It Back shirt, really one of the most creative designs that they've put out over there. They've got that there, but everything they have, it's comfortable even after you wash it. It's unique. You know, they've got, you know, that Xander Diamant shirt. They've got logos from the 50s and 60s. I mean, old logos that you never see anywhere, including, of course, the bison that's on the bison logo hoodie. Uh, and hey, you know, give them credit for predicting, you know, this really good Indiana football season, uh, which hopefully can get that one more win in a bowl game and make good on that 9 windy and a promise. And here's one final note that you need to know before you order, and it's kind of an urgent one. Because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. And actually right now everybody gets a massive discount there because it's Black Friday, but when you use the promo code IU Black Friday, they'll know that you came from the Assembly Call. So we'd appreciate you letting them know that. Use that promo code, you will get 30% off your entire order. That's IU Black Friday for 30% off your entire order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today. You can go to homefieldiu.com, a little shorter URL. That will take you right to the IU uh, catalog, all their IU shirts. But homefieldapparel.com or homefieldiu.com and use that promo code IUBlackFriday to get 30% off your entire order, the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And that means we will toss the ball over to Andy Bottoms for his Bottoms line on this underwhelming but, hey, still a win victory for indiana today over south dakota state
1: yeah i don't know if it was in contrast to the end of the football game where i needed my this was the the perfect way to get your heart rate back down to watch 40 minutes of not overly exciting uh basketball but if if that was a prescription then this game came through on that in a big way but i i just felt like and i I think i felt this way watching it and and the players i felt at times look this way playing the game that it's like okay, I'm ready to move on from these early season games and and actually see if this team is any good uh, because the performance today was really one that I don't think you learned a great deal. Certainly, if you want to find negatives or reasons for concern, I thought it brought some you know some of those some of the negative things uh, from the Louisiana Tech game carried over in that regard. But overall, it just kind of felt like a game where you didn't learn a lot, didn't really get pushed. Uh, After that run that you had mentioned didn't really pull away, and uh, just kind of a a blah game in a lot of regards. I think some of that has to do with it. it Just didn't seem to be on the offensive end. IU didn't play with the urgency and that didn't cut hard the way that they had. Archie had talked after the last game about it. This is a team that dribbles a lot. It's not going to do very well. I thought the off-ball movement was not nearly as sharp as it had been for the most part uh, in prior games. I think defensively there were some holes. Although you you look at how you know, the, the, you know, giving up 50 points, certainly, uh, there are some positive things to be had there. But I felt like in the second half in particular, South Dakota Slate really slowed IU down, didn't let them get out in transition, and the half court offense was a slog, uh, at best. And, and that's how you scored 27 points in a half. But, uh, again, I, I struggle to figure out what you actually take away from this because it just feels like the same script, uh, in some ways. Although I think you can point out in most of the other games, like a dominant stretch where, if you want to really get excited about this team, you saw a stretch of play that allowed you to do so. I don't know that you saw that uh, in this game today. So just kind of a a blah performance. Uh, And, and I certainly am ready to see this team start playing better competition and see if they're able to rise to that in a way that they they didn't really today.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and if you're listening to this and you're like, geez guys, you know, they won by 14, they're, they're undefeated. You know that is all true. You know, and you look at it and say, "Man, they had 16 offensive rebounds, and you know the freshman had 19 points. You know, 14 rebounds. It seemed like they did some good things, and yeah, you know they did do some good things. But you know what's really concerning, as we've talked about Andy throughout this stretch. Obviously, you had to go seven and zero. Like that was just a prerequisite that absolutely had to happen. It did. But we also talked about building habits. And so I think Indiana has built some good habits. You know, the rebounding is clearly a habit that has been there every single game. Uh, you know, free throw shooting has been another habit that's been really strong today. You know, Indiana only gets 18 free throws, which is still okay. It's not you know the dominant level that they they could have gotten. And to me, I feel like the difference is Indiana was just content today. The post guys were not really posting up strong and getting deep post touches, almost every time they did something good happened, but it just wasn't consistent. You know, too willing to settle for soft floaters, outside shots, you know, and and so you just didn't see the number of attempts. Then Indiana only makes 9 of 18, which fine. They've been a 75% free throw shooting team. I'm okay chalking that up to like, you know, one game variance. But it does kind of fit with the lack of focus that we saw because the most glaring of the habits that has been good for most of November, but has really been bad for the last three halves of basketball is the turnovers. India yeah, turned it over 19 times today. That's a turnover percentage of 28.8%. That's not good. And, you know, as you look ahead to this game against Florida State that's coming up, Andy, which is, you know, we've all been kind of pointing to as the first measuring stick game. This game today, to me, really highlighted you know how much this team misses Rob Fennessy Because, you know, Al and Devante had a few good moments on offense, but for the most part, they were not very good today. And, you know, it, it just it's concerning that you don't have Rob out there now as you look ahead to December, because I think this was a game where you kind of needed him to help settle things down offensively, to help settle things down defensively when the dribbling was you know, the when South Dakota State was kind of getting wherever they wanted to go. And so that that's a concern. And I think, you know, that's why you can look at a fourteen point victory and kind of feel this concern with Florida State coming in because it really to me highlighted some of the issues that weren't going to harm Indiana in this game because we just have better players than South Dakota state. But as you project it to the better competition, it's like, man, these are some hurdles that we're going to have to jump over. And the last three halves of basketball haven't shown that we're ready
1: on the, on the turnover front. If they can't get that figured out, Florida state right now, looking on Ken Palm, they're fourth in adjusted defensive efficiency, 19th overall in defensive turnover rate. They always have a ton of length, a ton of size, that really makes it hard to pass the ball and get the ball where you want to, and so I would agree with you that that's the one that to me is the perhaps the most alarming. The free throw shooting, for all that it would have concerned us last year, although perhaps in some cases a fifty percent outing would have actually been an improvement uh, or felt like one at times a year ago. Uh, that that part didn't bother me, but I do think the low number of attempts and the the overall low free throw rate was symbolic of what you said, where IU was content to have the guys that South Dakota state wanted to shoot shoots, the shoot, the shots that they wanted them to take and didn't really push the issue. And and as you said, when they did, it felt like they could get the ball where they wanted to, but they were very content to take whatever South Dakota state gave them, not really work the ball inside, uh, get a shot up on the rim, knowing they've got a good chance to go get the offensive rebound. I think that uh, is part of that. I think is, is, starting to have more film on on this team where guys were really daring Armand to shoot. That was clearly a focus of South Dakota State. They backed off of him a lot, and he made that three to start the second half. But overall, they were perfectly fine to let him take shots. They were fine to let Jerome take shots, even Demise to a certain extent. And and I think you saw things start to bog down because then the movement away from those guys was not sharp, as we talked about, weren't really strong post-ups. And when they did get the ball inside and really go through it, they were able to get to the line in a way that they had Earlier, But if you're willing to settle for a jump shot early in the shot clock, that's not what's going to, uh, that's not what's going to happen. Not taking care of the basketball is going to, is going to come back to bite you. So uh, it's kind of where I say that in some ways you're excited to see what they look like against tougher competition. In some ways you might be a little bit worried because um, you're trying to figure out whether those habits were born out of, I'm not going to say boredom is probably too strong a word, but were they born out of the competition and some of the focus that you really look for. Will it be there in a big game? You would hope that it would be, but if you, Florida State is not a team that you're going to get away being sloppy with the ball against. Uh, that's for sure. They may not be the best offensively, but they have a pretty good track record of of really locking people up on the defensive end. Uh, they play Purdue here in a little bit uh, this evening, so that'll be an interesting game if people want to get an idea what they're about. Uh, I know the games last night run CBS Sports Network, so I would assume they are uh, as well tonight.
0: You know, and look, to be fair, I mean, you know, I, I talked about it. I did a little Q&A, you know, before today, and I talked about how, yes, you know, this this Indiana team so far this season has been really built on its offense, and the offensive numbers have been, I think, much better than even anybody expected against this level of competition. And today, things were a little bit reversed. You know, Indiana only scores 64 points. They're at .97 points per possession against a team that entered the day, I think, 270-something in adjusted defensive efficiency. You know, so this was a game that Indiana really won because defensively they held South Dakota State to 50 points. And overall South Dakota State was 0.725 points per possession. I don't have them all memorized, but I'm pretty sure that's the best that we've done all season in terms of points per possession. And, you know, I thought look, I thought in the first half Andy, and you tell me if you agree with this, I didn't really think that the numbers matched how we were playing defense. I thought we gave up too many open threes. I thought San Diego State missed some open shots. That really helped out. I thought the defense was better in the second half. I thought we did at times a better job of of controlling ball handlers. Obviously, we did a good job on the glass for most of the day, but I thought we defended the three point line much better, which to me was a glaring issue in the first half. You're not going to see it from the numbers. They were four of thirteen in the first half uh, and two of fifteen in the second half. So it just looks like they shot poorly all day. But I thought we limited attempts. Because you know two, three, or four of those three pointers they got were just chucking them up at the very end, so those don't really count. But you know we limited the volume, and I thought they were more contested shots. So I really liked seeing that adjustment. Um, you know, and I thought for the most part, outside of a few possessions, we did a nice job of keeping their guys from getting deep post touches. There was a stretch there in the second half where they got too many of them, but for the most part, Indiana did well there. So I think defensively especially considering that Rob was out and we know what he brings to this team defensively, I thought we did some good things defensively today that helped counter the sluggishness on offense. Now, again, I would attribute more of it to South Dakota State not being a great offensive team, and that certainly helped, but there were a few things I saw today defensively that those are habits that we definitely need to carry into December and defending the three-point line chief among them.
1: Yeah, I did think there was improvement there. I feel like most of the baskets that they did get in the second half were off of dribble penetration. That continues to be a bit of a problem really being able to contain guys dribbling in from the perimeter. Uh, but I did think you know the, the threes were more contested. The numbers would bear that out to your point. A, a little bit of that is, is not having great shooters, but two for 15, no matter who it is, uh, is, is a pretty solid job on that end only four six turnovers in the second half compared to 11 in the first half. Although I thought a, a decent number of the 11 were pretty careless uh, on, on South Dakota state's part, probably careless on, on both parts for IU. Uh, um, yeah. If you look back uh, Portland state was the one team that got over, just kind of looking down Ken Palm, they were the only one that's been over 0.91 points per possession defensively. And they were actually at 1.08 uh, almost. So, um, that that was solid but this was one of the slower pace games maybe a little bit quicker than the Princeton game in terms of pace at least the way that I charted it but definitely uh, I, that that caused IU more problems offensively than it did defensively the, the overall pace of the game I, I did feel like they got South Dakota State in some late shot clock situations on a few occasions which was uh, which was good to see and not be able to give up give up shots early part of that was decent defense part of that was South Dakota State wanting to you know lengthen possessions and, and really limit IU's transition opportunities uh, over the course of the game.
0: By the way, any of you who are recalling that possession early in the second half where we gave up two just absolutely wide open three-pointers on really poor communication and a missed offensive rebound, I do remember that. Duly noted, outside of that, the three-point (laughs) defense was better. As soon as I got done saying that, I was like, crap, that possession in the second half was bad. So that was the worst, but outside of that, it was better. So just wanted you to know that I was aware of that Uh, meaningful (laughs) moment that I did not miss. Um, let's talk real quick. we're gonna talk about Justin Smith at the top of the next segment. Um, but I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about Trace Jackson Davis because you know, he he's just been outstanding through seven games. I mean, he's kind of been the rock that you can count on. You know the you know, for example, today, this is the kind of game from Al Durham that I worry about and that I've talked about several times where he's good, 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 and then you'll just have this outlier game where, He's not aggressive offensively and just doesn't seem to get in the flow. That was the game today from Al. You know, five points, two turnovers, just seemed a little out of it. You know, Justin, for the most part, has been pretty consistent, but you know, we'll have a game here or there still where he doesn't get himself going offensively. Trace has been the guy. Consistent offensive production. His rebounding has been outstanding. Nine offensive rebounds, four blocks. I mean, just you know, he's he's consistent with his activity. I thought today he struggled a little bit with with some of the toughness inside with some you know just South Dakota State's willingness to pack the paint not allow him to get easy touches and I thought he was too content to allow himself to be taken out of possessions but then the second in the second half he was just more active you know he got moving he he, it was almost like he said screw this I'm just going to go get the ball on the offensive glass because that's going to be the best place to get it he made some really athletic layups around the rim so you know Despite South Dakota State packing it in, which I think teams are going to start doing to Indiana, he really found a way to get going. Now, can he do that against experienced athletic length? We're going to see coming up. He hasn't really had to face that yet, but to his credit as a freshman, he has brought a winning mentality every night out, and that competitiveness, that consistency really builds well. He's going to have tough nights, but you just look at what he's done through seven games, and it doesn't feel like he's going to have a tough night because he's just not quite into the game. He may just have a tough night because he's facing a bigger, better, tougher player than him at this stage in his development. Um, and that, to me, is encouraging. You know, it, Just another night to be really, really impressed with Trace Jackson Davis and what he brings to the table.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some of the same thing that you did. I, I felt like even his movement off the ball wasn't as crisp as as what we've seen from him, even him earlier in the game, where he would... Uh, saunter through possessions, which was not, he was not alone in that by any stretch of the imagination. Sauntering
0: is a good way to just, dis- we sauntered through screens. We sauntered just through just kind of generally
1: yeah. just meandering around yes. the court, like yes. moving, you know, what was the, the night quote? Don't mistake movement for or activity for effort or progress. Yes. I, I forget what the, I forget what the quote was. But there was, there was guys moving, like there wasn't a ton of standing, but it wasn't actually doing anything. It was yeah. moving to say that you were moving. But anyway. I thought he fell into that trap a little bit at times. Uh, and, and really, tonight, you know, only got to the free-throw line once, which has become a real anomaly based on what we've seen from him, and was just 9 of 17 from the floor. So from a percentage standpoint, uh, I think his worst showing, but did have 14 rebounds, as you said, at four blocks. The the one you mentioned in the banner moment almost went through the backboard, I felt like, yeah. and uh, continues to, to really excel in that regard. And when IU needed big plays one way or the other, uh, he was always there, ran the floor well, was able to do work early, and and there was a possession in the second half where he sprinted the floor, got the ball in the middle of the lane, and and was able to finish uh, pretty quickly. So I think effort level with him, as you said, is going to be a constant that you that you look for. And he's now six straight games in double figures after uh, scoring eight in the first one, where he didn't use a ton of possessions, and they're starting to run a little bit more through him. Although uh, a lot of his his activity tonight was on the glass was able to get himself some putbacks uh, in that regard but he's had you know at least one block in all but one game uh, and just continues to really be one of the guys that you can count on night in and night out uh from this team and yeah anytime you watch a guy get like 19 points and 14 rebounds and you feel like well he kind of sauntered through a few possessions like I didn't think by any stretch of the imagination it was his best game he had 19 points and 14 rebounds so uh but like you said consistency with him is a is a big factor and while he's surrounded with some other guys who've been a bit up and down, I feel like he's been pretty pretty consistently up, even though within games here and there, he may have uh, some, you know, some lulls, but overall uh, I thought he played extremely well once again.
0: Yeah. All right. Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana 64 to 50 victory over South Dakota state, I'll point out today's meaningful moment that you might have missed and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the assembly call. Stick with us.
1: This is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 14-point victory over South Dakota State. You know, If you want a little context, for that, you know, because a lot of times you kind of look, okay, you know, you're playing the team that's ranked 140 or 184th in Ken Palm, you know, did we beat kind of what the expectations were? Ken Palm had this predicted as an 82 to 65 victory for Indiana. So a 17 point victory. So Indiana didn't quite get that done. Most of the games this year, they have uh, done that. So it was a little bit less uh, than what the, the, what the computers predicted. And, you know, that's fair because Indiana won by 14. It was never really in doubt. But you know, didn't really play well overall. Uh, en route to that, and I'll be interested to hear what Archie Miller has to say uh, after the game. I'm sure it'll be some combination of, "Hey, you know, it's hard to win. We're happy that we won. We're seven to zero. We're in a good spot." But <laughs> you know, da 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 da, and a lot of the things that we've talked about on this episode, uh, and I think you know he'll be right on all counts. Um, but let's. Andy, talk about today's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and we'll use this to springboard us into a discussion about Justin Smith. Because I'm going all the way back to the beginning of the game, uh, the 17:24 mark. Indiana still hasn't scored. I believe it's two to nothing at this point. And you know, South Dakota State's packing it in. Indiana has been content to just take jump shots. And I was really impressed. You know, it was almost like Justin Smith said, "Okay, enough of this, guys. Let's go play our game." And you know, fifth, maybe sixth possession of the game. He got the ball, you know, made a really nice cut, uh, got the ball, drove in, hit a nice little turnaround jumper in the lane for his first bucket. And I was just, I was impressed with that coming from Justin because, you know, to me, it showed a little bit of leadership. It showed a little bit of, hey, you know, let's go, like I said, let's go play our game after the offense had been struggling a little bit. And I thought it was indicative of his approach on offense. Now, You know, he did have the one uh, three-pointer that he took as a trailer early in the shot clock that he airballed, you know, and we've seen that from him. That was not a good choice, but that to me, kind of like the bad, you know, the bad three-point defense in the second half, that was the anomaly. Outside of that, I thought his approach offensively was terrific. I mean, he was always moving toward the basket. You know, when he got it, he was aggressive going up. You know, sometimes he'll make a nice cut and get it, but be too willing to try and pass or just, you know, not really probe enough or not go up strong. And I thought today he made good decisions. You know, he was 6 of of 11 overall. uh, You know, was better than that. He missed a couple of shots late. Um, You know, did have the three turnovers, so by no means was it perfect. But I thought in terms of what he was able to do complementing Trace Jackson-Davis, especially considering South Dakota State's willingness to pack it in and make things congested in there for Indiana. I thought he made shots, was strong with the ball, and really was one of the few guys who seemed to stay committed to the game plan of getting it inside. And he also led Indiana in free throws with seven, You know, almost had half of their free throw attempts and made five of seven. So not a perfect game by any means for Justin, but you know, continued to play his solid defense on the other end too, but I just, Andy, I liked his approach offensively um, because it seemed like other guys were too willing to settle for jump shots, and sometimes he falls into that trap. He didn't tonight, and he played to his strengths, and it worked out well for him.
1: I thought it was another case with him where he didn't allow himself even within the game to get into bad habits, so that, that airballed three that you mentioned, uh, on the other end, South Dakota State made a three, and that after that, IU went on that 11-0 run that you referenced, which was if there was – I mentioned there weren't really great stretches of play for IU in the way that there had been in other games. If there was one, it was that stretch, and he was a huge part of that. Um, got to the line and made two free throws. I think at that point, IU had missed all four of their free throws in the first half. He did that. He scored on the dunk uh, after the trace block that you talked about where he made a nice play in transition, uh, stepped through a couple of guys, made another and one during that stretch. So during the first you know, nine points of that 11-0 run – he scored seven of them and was really a big factor in that in that stretch. And I do think from an effort standpoint, we talked about Trace, I thought Justin played hard and was going after loose balls and rebounds pretty much the entire game. Uh, and in a game where it felt like there was a tendency for the team overall to sleepwalk a little bit, I didn't feel like he fell into that. And I think the numbers in large part bear that out. And he got five of his eight rebounds were on the offensive end, and and generally played well did have three turnovers one of those was on a charge that was questionable at best he had uh, an incredulous look on his face after they uh, after they fell for uh, the guy essentially flopping which he would later do successfully again so if it works you know why why go away from it but i did think he uh, i did think he played well throughout and it continues to be an up and down player at times but there's been more good than bad and if as you move forward during the season you get more performances where he is locked in in the way that he was today at least knowing not every play is going to be perfect and there will be some moments that aren't the best Uh, I do think from an effort standpoint that's one thing we've seen from him that I I struggle to think of a game even the couple games where he scored three points it has been kind of feast or famine with him. He's got two games with three points and he's got at least 14 in, all, in the other five. So it has been a little bit feast or famine, but I, I don't necessarily feel like he's just been out of it. Um, he's had the games where he hasn't had the you know statistical production from a point standpoint. But his defense has overall, stayed pretty good, though. You know, I thought been- overall, he's yeah he's he's continued to play fairly well. This was his first game with more than two turnovers, so it, there's some things to look at with him and, and be positive about, at least a steal in every game. You're seeing good habits with him, I think for the most part, um, where, you know, and this was a game too, where he didn't get involved super early. I know we've talked about that as well. Like if he comes out and scores really early in the game, didn't, you know, you mentioned that one play, uh, where it was a little bit early that he got in it, but they weren't running a ton of stuff for him, uh, early on and, and still really found a way to impact the game, uh, took his opportunities when they were presented themselves and was a key part of the, the biggest run that IU had during the game.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, a couple other moments that stood out. There was one in the second half with about 11 minutes and 30 seconds to go. Indiana's up 47 to 36. And Devontae committed his fourth turnover on a really bad pass to a cutting Justin Smith. I think Justin slipped a screen, uh, you know, cut in, had an angle to get a layup, and Devontae just didn't throw a good pass. And on the next possession, you know, Devontae was right back ready to make a play, you know, threw an alley oop to Trace, who did a great job running in transition. Uh, And, you know, what I liked about that is Devontae didn't hang his head after making a mistake and, again, came right back and was ready to make that play. That's something Archie has talked about in terms of the maturity of Devontae Green is, you know, when when you go for that great play and it doesn't work out, don't hang your head. Come right back and be ready. And and so I liked seeing that from a possession-to-possession basis. I also thought, you know, on a day when the guards did not play well, like I just – none of the three guards I thought really played well, made good decisions – You know, Devontae did at least improve from the first half to the second half. In the first half, no assists, three turnovers. In the second half, three assists, one turnover. So that was better. And it's, you know, you don't always see Devontae improve within a game. You know, sometimes he'll have a good first half and maybe have a bad second half or just, you know, kind of struggle. But I thought he improved his decision making some. um, And that was that was nice to see. Um and then you know one other thing and it's it's a small little thing but I just thought it was worth pointing out and it happened you know a little later in the second half it was 52 to 36 and it was just an example of good defense you know Justin Smith was guarding a guy who dribbled into the lane but he just he redirected the dribbler I don't remember who it was but he just redirected him so he couldn't get a straight line drive you know containing dribble penetration andy it's not always about like You know, your guy never gets it inside the three point line and he's just totally contained. Like sometimes a guy is going to get a step on you or you're going to be facing a quicker guy or you're a taller guy facing a shorter guy. Like there's, you know, different challenges that you have containing dribblers and the ability to recover and to redirect dribblers to just knock them off their course, not let them get a straight line drive to the basket. That can be enough to not force your defense into help and give your guys a chance to you know, do what they need to do to be able to respond to the cutters that are coming, that are cutting off of that dribble. And what Justin did by just redirecting that dribbler, it'll, you know, Demise Anderson did a really nice job of defending the back cut that happened because of that dribble. And he knocked the ball. It ended up, uh, you know, I think it ended up going out of bounds. And, and I think Duran got a steal. And that was the play where he threw it up to Justin. And it should have been a layup, but, you know, he kind of knocked it out of bounds. But that little subtle defensive play from Justin those are some of the little things that I think he's been better at this year. And when we talk about dribble penetration, again, it's it's not always about keeping guys totally outside of you know the three-point line and swallowing them up, but being able to m- just redirect them in small ways that keeps the defense out of difficult help situations and prevents straight-line drives to the basket. That was a good one.
1: Yeah, to, to go back to Devontae, I thought, I guess a couple things. One of these is dependent a little bit on – on exactly when Rob is back and when we start to see this team settle into what a normal starting lineup is really going to look like, he did provide some instant offense off the bench, which I thought was good. It just feels like a matter of time before he ends up in the starting lineup, uh, and, and so think. be curious to curious to see what that does. But he did, you know, came in made a couple threes right away during that stretch when IU made threes on four straight possessions. And he had a couple of nice plays there. And then to start that 11-0 run, he had a shot that was just him being able to go get you a basket in in a key spot where uh, he had a nice step back jumper in that scenario. So he had eight points pretty quickly after he came into the game and then didn't score again until he hit a three in the second half when I don't know that I would say the game had gotten close. I I believe they may have cut it to eight and he hit a three to, to push it back to 11. Yes. So you continue to see him be able to make, you know, big shots in key moments, and that's a positive. So I wonder what is, you know, when they start to get into a, a lineup groove where they can really get him going early into the flow of the game differently. But I, I do like what you said about him getting better within the game in the second half. Didn't really force shots. I felt like for the most part in the second half and and only the one turnover, as you said, did think some of the ones in the first half were careless or just passes that were Either thrown too hard, not thrown in the right spot. Somebody's cutting to the basket. You throw it in the other team's bench. I think that was. I think it was him on that one. Uh, and they were
0: like open gym type passes, like that. We had the yeah. focus of an open gym today, basically. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah. There was one that went to the bench. And there was another one. Where I just feel like the guy was not not that far from him, and it was a ninety mile an hour fastball, uh, Adam. So I, I think being able to continue to pick his spots and, and improve, I think there's still rust for him to be shaking off at this standpoint but I'm curious to see what this team looks like when he's in there from the get-go both from a what does that do to the bench production but also what is that what kind of start does that allow IU to get off to what kind of start is does he get off to in those kinds of scenarios so that's something to to look at moving forward i, I maybe that's the calendar flips to December and you start to see a little bit more of the line of the starting lineup that you, you would expect based on how guys have played at this point. But uh, I guess we'll find out on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, his, his shot making was important. You know, three of six from downtown. You know, he's one of the guys like when he's open from three or has an inch, shoot it. You know, I don't mind that. It's when some of the other guys start settling, um, you know, that obviously it's not good. I will say one note about Devontae. I thought his offensive decision-making was better. His defensive decision-making in the second half was not quite as good. You remember that one play? He got that steal where he the guy tried to drive on him, and he kind of swiped in and knocked the ball off the guy's leg. I thought that set him down a path to trusting the quickness of his hands a little bit too much, and he was trying to kind of reach and get steals instead of keeping his man in front of him. And so he got beat off the dribble a couple times doing that. I'm sure that's something that Archie will point out to him. Um, all right, let's go inside the numbers, Andy, and... We've already talked about a lot of the numbers, the turnover numbers, you know, the offensive rebounding numbers, all of which were good. A couple kind of little specific numbers that I want to point out. The first one will get us back into talking about the guards. Eight assists, nine turnovers. That's not going to get it done from that group. You know, and Devontae was a little bit better, you know, with three to one in the second half, but overall, uh, you know, three assists, four turnovers for him, Al, one assist, two turnovers. Uh, and Armand Franklin did have four assists, you know, to his credit, but also had three turnovers. You know, and Armand, one of six shooting, he found himself open. And I don't feel like any of the shots were just egregious, like, you know, that's a really bad shot. But maybe that volume of shots at the place in the shot clock where they happened was just too much. And not that's not part of the formula right now for this team winning. And so, you know, you want him to feel comfortable taking them. And I think their shots maybe as a junior that you look at and they're good shots, I don't feel like now they are. And so you know, just kind of a a few numbers, Andy, I think overall to just say I didn't think outside of Devontae's outside shooting, I didn't think our guards were aggressive in the right ways today and their lack of focus, especially as playmakers and with some of the turnovers, just really hindered what the offense was able to do. And again, just really highlighted what this team doesn't have when Rob's not out there.
1: Well, I think when you talk about how the how little the team got to the free throw line, and you look at the the makeup of the shots between let's just focus on Al and Armand and Saber, the two that started, you know, four of Al's seven shots were from three point range, four of Armand's six shots were from three point range, and neither of them got to the free throw line. The the combination of those things is probably not a coincidence. And that's one thing that Al had been really adept at. One of the teams Best free throw shooters, obviously, but just even getting to the line at a high rate uh, was something that he's really excelled at, and so I just felt like what they did was somewhat emblematic. And i I think your point on Armand about the timing in the possession of when those were taken is a, is an important one. It isn't that they're bad shots; it was there was no real effort to get the ball inside or do what this team had been doing well in order to generate free throw attempts. So in a vacuum, if you said, hey, he took a wide open three point shot, I don't think that's a terrible thing to have happen. But if you put it in the context of the game, I do feel like there were times that it was, hey, they're giving me the shot, I'm going to take it. It looks great if you make them, but when you're you're not, or they're going to give you that shot in the same way with five seconds left on the shot clock as they are with 25, it doesn't really matter a great deal. And I think, we're certainly going to see opponents defend him in particular in that way moving forward and, and dare him to make shots. He is the guy of the of the perimeter players that started the game for IU. He's really the one that you wanted to take the shot if you're the other team. And so you're willing to concede that shot. He has to know and figure out when's a good time to take it and when isn't. But the overall mix of those two guys take 13 shots and eight of them are from three-point range is not a great one for what I use really trying to do. Uh, Armand, the assist, at least offset that a little bit with four of them, but did have three turnovers uh, in 19 minutes. So it was a a little bit uneven performance from him. And I thought from Al's perspective, this was just a game where he didn't really make his presence felt on either end. It didn't didn't feel like, just wasn't overly involved on either end, Uh, I I felt like. And that's probably a comment you can make about a handful of other guys during the game, but um, he just kind of blended in. Uh, I felt like into everything else that was going on in the game today.
0: The other number that I want to point out is zero. And that is the number of points that Jerome Hunter scored tonight. And, you know, this is now a trend for Jerome. You know, the North Alabama game, which was Indiana's third game of the season, he scored 12 points. Uh, He was three of five from two point range, one of four from three point range uh, that night. And, and and that was the first three games, twelve points, nine points, seven points. We're thinking, man, this is a guy you're gonna be able to count on for eight to ten points a game, really be instant offense off the bench. He'd really impressed us with his willingness to, you know, go down low and post up and really be a versatile offensive player. Since then, he scored four points, two points, three points, zero points. And in the last three games, he's only attempted one two point field goal, and that was today. Uh, you know, he's taken one three point or two, you know, he's basically he's over for his last seven from three. Um, you know, Jerome – and we kind of thought this would happen, that things would be a little bit up and down for him. What are you seeing from him that is not allowing him to kind of get in the flow of the game? Because, you know, what I'm seeing is a guy who is far too willing on the offensive end to settle for outside shots. It's almost like he wants to get in there and get a three and get going instead of going into the post, you know, trying to get something going there. Um, which is what I kind of saw a little bit more, you know, in some of those early games. So it's a little bit concerning because that was one thing that you hope to have kind of getting going as November ended and ready for December. Like, Hey, okay, we got, you know, Jerome Hunter ready to go. And he's actually been, been I think defensively, he's been a little bit better. I thought he struggled big time against Princeton. I think the last two games, he's been better defensively, but he has not been providing the offensive punch that we thought he might, especially these last few games.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's a bit of what you said where he's just coming in trying to make something happen. I feel like he's still trying to make up for lost time from a season ago every time he gets on the court where he's just trying to prove to himself or everybody else, like coming in taking quick shots. Uh, It's a little bit of what we said with Armand. Again, the three-point shot from him at some point in the flow of the possession is fine. But I think if you went back and looked, almost the first time he touches the ball, every time he comes on the floor, I feel like he shoots. Um, and and he's not really allowing himself to get into the flow, not really allowing himself to potentially get the ball in the post. And I appreciate, on the one hand, his confidence because this team does. We talk about that with Devontae a lot. He's a guy who thinks he can go out and make make plays. I can appreciate that from Jerome, but I just think he's pushing so much to to make his presence felt offensively when... Is it a case where you really try to do some things with him, you know, either defensively or go get a putback, go go do some things on the glass where he's just so content to fire up threes as soon as he gets in the game, and even that two point shot that you talked about was really one. I think it was like twenty seconds left. I don't know if I, you could have run the clock out, but it would have been close. Where he was just so adamant about taking a shot. Which these are the spots for him where we talked about that being one of the good things about the schedule being how it is early in the season of this is a way for him to shake off the rust. And I, maybe this is how he's trying to do that. Uh, But it just feels forced uh, more than anything is probably the adjective I would describe uh, with him. It just feels like he's trying so hard to make something happen that it actually is backfiring on him a little bit. And it isn't that he can't make the shots. We've seen him make the shots at times, but um, you're coming in cold off the bench and, and shooting immediately I just don't know that that's the easiest way for him to get into the flow of the game, and and I would say his minutes to a certain extent have reflected that. He played just 13 tonight. I was actually surprised he played uh, that many. Looking at the box score, I, I felt like it was it would have been less than 10 if I had to you know put a number on it uh, before we got on the show. So just I just think he's forcing things is probably the the easiest way I'd put it.
0: Also, as uh, Jeff so astutely noted in the chat, uh, zero is also the number of losses that IU has. So that is very true, and that is an important also stat true. to remember. Uh, Andy, I know you have a couple more numbers before we get out of get out of here.
1: Yeah, one of them was fast break points. I believe I jotted this down. I, I went back through at, the, at halftime and was, you know, here's some good things that happened. Here's some bad things that happened. They had 11 fast break points in the first half, just four in the second half think that contributed to a really slow pace and struggles offensively that continues to be a way that this team can get easy baskets get itself going on the offensive end and they struggled with that uh, at times today but on the flip side seven blocks six steals we use those a lot of times I think to to approximate some kind of activity level on the defensive end which I thought was uh, I, I thought was a positive again as you look through what the team did uh the sixteen offensive rebounds, though oddly enough only led to six second chance points, which is fairly surprising uh, as you look through it that way. It did have thirty points in the paint, but the fast break points was really the one that that stood out to me and and how much they allowed themselves to get slowed down. They didn't force as many turnovers and didn't really get out and run uh very much in the second half at all and uh again, the result is you score twenty seven i think twenty seven points in the second half uh and and there's probably a correlation to be uh to be had there
0: yes. Alrighty, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls. Will Trace Jackson Davis take a four game ball lead on the field this early in the season? Uh, we'll also hit some other lingering storylines. Look ahead to that Florida State game, and then it'll be time for last call. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Ethan Hap and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Thank you, Ethan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. Andy, real quick, uh, before we get to the game ball and on the subject of numbers, Uh, the Ken Palm, I'm sure you're going to bring
1: up exactly what I was going to bring up. I saw this, I saw this and I said to myself, I'm going to bring this up when we're, when we're talking about the uh, numbers and I totally, totally failed. So, so bring it home.
0: Okay. Let's talk about it now. I, I like that. We've been doing this long enough now that you already know what I'm going to say. And I, I know that, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, but the Ken Palm numbers are in Indiana is now 28th, but you recall the Gulf between Indiana's offensive and defensive rating, uh, as recently as Monday after they faced Louisiana tech. And we kind of, I don't remember what show we were on. You know, we talked about, you know, which one will be higher by the end of the year. I submitted that the defense would be higher, well, it's already happened. Indiana's adjusted defensive efficiency is now 33rd in the country. Uh, the offensive efficiency is 34th. And I know, I know, the, n- the numbers are noisy early in the season, but it <laughs> shows you how much can change from just one game and how good statistically today's defense was for Indiana, how poor the offense was, and but it does. It feels a little more right to me to, you know, have the defense ranked a little bit higher. But all that's going to matter is where these numbers are in December and January and February. It's just interesting to see right now, and interesting to see the wild swings that can happen in uh, just one afternoon of blah basketball at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Yep, that was exactly it. At the one time that I looked, they were both they were thirty third
1: in both, but another result must have uh, gone in to push them a little bit lower on the offensive side. But yeah, that that defensive number jumped a lot, which I suppose it would do in a game when it got tracked at zero point seven one points per possession. So I suppose, I suppose that makes some sense
0: yeah which is you know which is good and you know and this does mark you know against louisiana tech indiana held them to 0.90 points per possession this is just raw uh, efficiency uh the Princeton game they were 0.83 so you know the de- and i think the defense has been getting better like it, it look it still has a ways to go but i think it's getting better and i think archie miller really believes in this team's ability to play defense and i think they've got a long ways to go which is why he's so frustrated and just not willing to accept poor defense. Cause I think he thinks this can be a really good defensive team and you got to get robbed back, you know, if we're really going to see what they're going to be like, but it's nice to see some growth. Now they haven't put 40 minutes of defense together. They might not have even really put 24 minutes of good defense together yet, but you know, you're starting to see things be a little bit more solid overall. And that's good for a team that is still young, a team that still has some guys working through it. I know, it's the third year of Archie's tenure in the pack line, and we don't want to keep hearing about how you know th- it's going to take time for it to improve. But I think this team has the pieces for it to be really improved by January and February, um, which is obviously where it's really going to matter. So nice to see some signs of that as we end November. Uh, Andy, game ball time. I think it's pretty much between two guys here, Justin Smith or Trace Jackson Davis. The only suspense will be uh, if we split the vote here and have to go to the chat mob what do you well, I was, who, who are you giving the game ball to
1: i was gonna go with peyton ramsey is that not oh. is that not an option <laughs>
0: no <laughs> no uh, that, fine. that makes some sense no whatever no just <laughs>
1: no uh no i heard i did not see it because i was trying to watch both the end of the football game and the beginning of the basketball game at the same time but i heard they like some of the guys carried him off the field which i thought was
0: did they which was yeah i didn't cool. i didn't see it i don't know i saw tom I allen giving that...
1: wap failure a piggyback ride as well which was That's... uh another guy getting carried at least down the field maybe not off the field but uh so i don't know if that's actually true or not but i did uh, see that picture
0: so that did happen
1: i I thought a cool moment for ramsey to be able he he definitely missed some throws missed some open receivers uh but a guy that has has been through a lot for him to score the winning touchdown in that scenario i thought was uh pretty cool he made some he did make some good throws uh down the stretch into the overtime but i will not give my game ball to him since you seem to suggest that that was not uh, an option that was uh, available to me this is
0: your time you can give your game ball (laughs) to whoever you want don't sorry sorry i'll
1: uh I I, I struggle to. I, I'm tempted to give it to Justin, but I really struggle to go against the guy who led the team in points, rebounds, plus minus, blocks uh, on the game. So it feels it feels like you you shouldn't really do that. But if Trace you has already to
0: entered it, Yogi territory, where he's like the obvious choice, but you just try to give it to somebody. But you're else. trying
1: to shoehorn <laughs> somebody else in. I did think Justin played really well. In, in yeah. all fairness, I didn't feel like it's a it's a huge stretch to do that. But uh, I think some of the blocks that Trace had on the defensive end and the the rebounding. Gives him the edge in my eyes, but uh, I'll I'll leave it to you as to whether you want to give it to Justin and then fire it to the chat mob to break the tie, or we just want to uh, rename the segment as has been suggested before to just give the game ball to Trace every time.
0: I mean, I've been sitting here trying, kind of like you, trying to find reasons to give it to Justin, and you know, look. You remove Trace, like Justin would be a very valid winner of it this game. I, I thought he set the tone offensively, like I said earlier. You know, did a nice job uh, from a rebounding perspective because he had five offensive rebounds, which you know, which we didn't uh, mention before. Um, and and the seven free throws, you know, to me, if you wanted to give it to Justin, your argument would be, you know, this is a team that really wants to get to the free throw line, and on a day when South Dakota State was, you know, really trying to not let us get the ball inside and do what we wanted to do. Justin stayed committed to doing that, you know, and got himself 7 free throws. And I just thought was solid in a lot of areas. But Trace was solid in a lot of areas, but then really spectacular at times. And his ability right now to recover and bail the defense out with block shots is really useful. And, you know, to go get 9 offensive rebounds and to to find his way through a game that was difficult and the opposing defense was really you know, clearly trying to take him out and not let him be that guy. He still found a way, whether it was running in transition, being active on the glass, you know, getting some opportunities on the block, and and really, you know, making some not you know up and unders and some nice layups. Like he was just the best player on the court. And so, I would like to argue for Justin. I think he is a worthy second choice, but Trace was the best player on the court, and I think he deserves the game ball. So he gets it. So it is to Trace, and for what it's worth. Every vote so far in the chat mob has come in for Trace. But, you know, we did have, you know, Jeff said, can we give it to both of them? Because they both deserve it, you know, Trace by a sliver. So I think everybody pretty much feels the same way. So now with seven game balls in, Trace Jackson Davis has five of them. Al has one. Devontae has one. You know, Justin, I feel like Justin's been second like four or five times, probably to Trace. but <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you know, I Trace, tried to give one to Justin in the game that Al didn't miss a shot and was chastised for it and eventually <laughs> lost out. So. It hasn't been for lack of effort.
0: It, it happens. Um. All right. Anything else from this game? I mean, we we didn't talk much about Joey Brunk and Deron Davis because they didn't do much. And I didn't even uh, lump
1: race into that same yeah, same boat. Yeah, those three same. between them had three points and, and uh, not a one, whole lot. Yeah, I, I don't know because it's funny. You, you talked about you know, the game ball. I think there was you clearly had Trace and Justin. Then you had a bit of a gap between them and Devante. And then it really dropped off a cliff between him and anybody else it was largely even in the first half really those three had done the bulk of the damage and the drop off regardless of production from those three to anybody else was pretty wide which I think leads us to not talk about a ton of other guys
0: if I had to pick a fourth and here's the one other guy that I want to talk about is Demizy Anderson I thought Demizy was solid today Um, you know he had Demizy had five points knocked down a three he missed a couple other ones you know got to the free throw line a couple times I thought his shot selection was good. I thought there were several opportunities where he could have fired up a three-pointer early in the shot clock. He didn't. I thought defensively, look, he got taken off the dribble a couple times, as he will, but I thought he showed better awareness. You know, I mentioned the play before where he was alert, got his body in position to defend a back cut. I thought most of the possessions out there, he was solid. He had a couple of assists, only one turnover. This was a solid off-the-bench performance from Demisey Anderson that if you can carbon copy it, and he's a guy who can come in, be solid. He had three rebounds. He can be a threat from a credible threat from downtown. This is what you want from him. And, and you know, plus minus, it, it always has issues from a single game perspective. But when you look at the guys off the bench in terms of their plus minus, Devonte was plus 10. Demise was plus 11. Duran was minus six. Jerome Hunter was minus three. And Race Thompson was two. And I think those numbers tonight accurate, accurately reflect the impact those guys had. Because I thought you know Devonte overall was a positive contributor to the victory, and I thought Demiziy overall was a positive contributor to the victory. so while you know we spent some time talking about Jerome and he's a guy that we've all had high hopes for, I think there have been some real signs of growth for Demisy Anderson over the last few games. Um, Coach talked about it um, a couple of shows ago, but you know that's a positive because we heard a lot about his improvement. People were wondering, you know, is it real? Uh, and I think we've still got to see more from him, but I was impressed that this was just a solid effort from him tonight off the bench. So that that yeah. he would be my fourth in line for the game. I
1: would I would agree with you because I think he did a little bit of everything. To your point, he was one of three on threes. There was a couple. I I agree with you where I remember thinking he's going to shoot this, and he actually didn't. Uh, made made passes and and worked things around a little bit. Didn't for the most part get fall into the trap of settling for shots, got to the line, made made both free throws, three rebounds, two assists uh, over the course of 15 minutes. T- to me, that's a solid line from a bench player that you're not expecting to come out and set the world on fire, but he did more good than bad and and was a solid contributor across various parts of the uh, of the stat sheet. So I would agree with that. He would have been the fourth guy for me. But yeah, that was a pretty huge drop-off. And, and in a game when South Dakota state actually had a couple bigger guys that they played. It, it felt like you might see some, some different things from the big guys. I was surprised, you know, race only played nine minutes. Duran just played seven. Uh, but, and even Joe, Joey played 20. It was a, it was a quiet 20 minutes. Again, I, I just felt like I felt like more, more guys than not just blended in and, and fell into the general blah nature of the game more so than actually stood out.
0: It felt like maybe they had Thanksgiving dinner like thirty minutes before the game started. <laughs> you know, like it was just kind of that kind of sluggish. You know, and one thing I wanted to bring up, you know, we talked about Trace, and, and and I think you were you were talking about how you know a lot of the guys were kind of sauntering through cuts and sauntering through movements, but yet you know we talked about his effort, and I think it's important to note, like you know, at, at times on the offensive end. If everybody on offense is just not quite in sync and and everybody's kind of sauntering through cuts, it can you can be playing hard, but your movements just aren't as purposeful and crisp as they normally are. And that's what I thought we saw today. Like I thought guys were trying, I thought guys were running in transition, I thought guys for the most part were down in stances playing hard on defense, but it's just like there was a collective next level of intensity and focus that just wasn't quite there, which you're going to have some days. And so, on the one hand, it is nice to win by 14 points when you have that, and still be able to fall back on you know some of your strengths and do that. Um, but it was just there was just malaise isn't the right word, but there was just there was something that there just wasn't that level of intensity that you want to see. And hopefully, we'll see it Tuesday night. The building should be you know much more electric. Obviously, the opponent will be better, and so hopefully, it was just a case of a team. Working off some turkey calories, and you know, ready to move on to the meatier part of their schedule. Speaking of which, upcoming schedule: we'll have a show Monday, Banner Monday. Mike DeCourcy will be here to break down everything uh, that we've seen in the Big Ten. We'll look ahead to the IU Florida State game, but give us—and you talked a little bit about Florida State earlier—but give us kind of the Cliff Notes version of the challenges and opportunities that Florida State presents on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, so they're six and one right now. As I mentioned, they do play Purdue this evening. They lost their first game when the ACC started playing conference games on the opening night because of the ACC network. They lost by two at Pitt, but followed that up by winning at Florida by twelve, and then beat Tennessee on Friday night by three. Uh, like I said, they play Purdue tonight, so they're a, a solid team. Uh, they defensively is is really where they they make things work. Fourth in defensive efficiency so far are good against twos and threes force a lot of turnovers. They have struggled with putting people on the line. So if you want to look at where IU can be successful, they're 299th in defensive free throw rate. And IU, I believe is still first uh, in that stat offensively. So that's really one. Can you get those guys in foul trouble? Can you really attack them despite the fact that they've got decent size? Can you attack them, get them in some foul trouble, get yourself to the line? Uh, Because I think that's the way to do it offensively. They're right around 50th right now. Solid offensive rebounding. Uh, they do a solid job of getting to the line, and that's an area that IU has struggled. So they're 47th overall in free throw rate and shoot it well when they do get to the line. So those are those are things to watch. And from a, a, a personnel standpoint, they're a little bit like IU in the sense that they're pretty balanced. They've got four guys right now averaging in double figures, all between 10.4 and 12.4 points per game. So... Not necessarily one guy to specifically look at. Three of those four are listed as guards, but more like wing-type uh, players from a, a size perspective for the most part. Um, they do have Trent Forrest. He's their point guard. He's a, a big guy that's going to put a lot of uh, pressure at the point of attack. So he's, he's one to watch. So they, they've pretty balanced effort overall, like I said. Um, and I think it, it will definitely be a big test for IU. Not necessarily a lights-out offensive team that will come in, but they're really going to present challenges that IU has not had from a defensive perspective. And I think that's what I'm most interested to see, see how IU can score against a really tough defense and how a guy like Trace uh, reacts to playing against guys who are more on his level from a size and strength
0: perspective. They are number one in Ken Palm's average height statistics. So they are the tallest team in the country. Where's Indiana in that stat? Indiana is because they're up there. Indiana's twelfth, yeah. so I mean, this is going to be a a game of giants. And yeah,
1: it, and it's funny in some ways. Over the past few years, they've had a, a number of seven footers, and it it looks to me as I kind of scroll down here, they've got a couple who are uh, not necessarily role players who who man the center spot. They 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 split time there. It's really the fact that they don't have anybody short <laughs> is what <laughs> really brings it up. Because Forrest, like I said, is their point guard. He's six four. Uh, a bigger guy, shooting guard six six. Uh, Devin Vassel is their small forward six seven. MJ Walker's a uh, a guy that's six five that plays on the wing as well. So they've got a bunch of guys between that six four and six eight range, and then they have a couple seven footers who are uh, who they they put at the the five spot. But they just don't have anybody in their rotation short of one guy who's shorter uh, than than six foot four. So I think that's how the average gets up there. But they've had, I've, I feel like they've actually had bigger. Uh, rosters in the past couple seasons, but uh, this time it's just a lot of athletic wing type guys that IU's going to have to try to keep out of the lane.
0: You've been listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Remember that Homefield Apparel is having their Black Friday sale. I'm pretty sure it goes through Sunday. So use the promo code IU Black Friday. That will give you a 30% off discount. All the football shirts, all the basketball shirts, they have so much great stuff there especially if you've never been to their site, which seems crazy at this point, but it's certainly possible. You need to go to homefieldapparel.com or just go homefieldiu.com and that'll take you right to the IU collection. Check out all the vintage logos, all the comfortable gear. Again, promo code IUBlackFriday for 30% off. All right, Andy, it is time for last call. Final thoughts on Indiana's 64-50 to victory over South Dakota State that closes out a perfect November record-wise a November that has us asking a lot of questions as we uh, enter a tough December stretch of games.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I, the biggest thing for me is I'm just ready to see this team play against tougher competition. And we, I feel like we spent the whole off season rattling off a whole bunch of questions that we want to learn the answers to. And in some ways, these seven games got us closer, I think to the answers of those questions, but ultimately didn't really answer many of them at all. And so now I think we're going to learn a lot about where this team is going to eventually find itself by the way this uh, this December goes. You've got challenging but winnable games in a number of cases. The Florida Florida State is the highest ranked team on Kenpom that they play, but I think a winnable game at home, uh, even the games that are away from Assembly Hall at Wisconsin, they've struggled Uh, Connecticut on a neutral floor, they've been a bit up and down, have had some good moments, but haven't been lights out. Nebraska at home is certainly one you should win. Uh, Notre Dame has looked solid on a neutral court. And then Arkansas at home, they've been better than people thought. So there's no game in that list where you feel like IU is completely outclassed by who they're playing based on what we've seen so far and based on what those teams have showed so far. But you also really, outside of the Nebraska game, I don't know that you go into a ton of those games feeling like this is definitely a game that IU is going to win. Uh, so how they they fare in those games and uh, that that may swing their resume from a tournament perspective that may swing momentum pretty dramatically one way or the other if they can start to get some wins. So I'm just curious to see how they play in these games, because I think we've learned all that we're going to learn by playing the teams that they've played so far. And I again, I, I felt a little bit like the team watching the game today where it's like, OK. I struggled to get too high or too low based off of anything that happened in this game. Cause we've seen this script play out six times already so far, uh, in, in different ways. So just really ready to see how they respond to a different, uh, different environment. You'll have the students back. You'll have a, a packed assembly hall. That's going to be a lot more excited than the one today. That was uh, from what I heard trying to wanting to see the end of the football game before the basketball game got started. So, um, that's a good sign for IU football. Also, my but, uh, have changed. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, so, I, yeah, like I said, I'm just I'm just curious. I, I struggle to take too much away from today, other than that uh, Trace continues to play really well, and uh, I think Justin Smith is is on a, a positive trajectory as well. I think if those guys can come back and play well, take a little bit better care of the basketball in the backcourt potentially get Devontae back in the starting lineup, hopefully get Rob back uh, to be available a a bit. I like their chances against Florida State uh, as much as that's a challenge because I think it's going to be a really fun environment and and looking forward to seeing how they play in that one uh, more so than uh, maybe I look forward to today's game, which uh, ended up living up to my somewhat low expectations for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I echo what you said. Like, let's go. I mean, I think we got as much out of November as we're going to get. You know, we we leave November mostly healthy, but obviously with one glaring injury, and that is Rob. And that is the biggest question that hangs over this team because we spent all off season talking about how maybe he's not the best player, but he's certainly the most important player on this team for what he is as an instigator, as a catalyst on the offensive and defensive end. And you just notice things that are missing when he's not out there, when he's not right. And this team has a lot of good players; it's got a lot of talent. But it's got a few players with skills that just kind of make everything else go, and I think Rob is one of those guys. So you know he didn't play today, so you know, and, and and hasn't played in a couple straight games, and I don't know what his status is going to be. I look forward to listening to what Archie has to say after the game, and maybe we get some kind of hint there. But that's obviously going to be a really important factor and in how Indiana does in December. But you're right, Andy. You know we the biggest answer that we got and the most important answer that we got is Trace Jackson Davis is really good. And that guy is really competitive and he's not just an athlete. He's a skilled basketball player and he has been this team's go-to guy, their most consistent guy. So I think getting that answer, getting Devonte Green healthy, you know, and back to some of his shot making ways, that's great to see. Uh, and we certainly at least know that while some of the depth is up and down, usually you're getting at least a couple guys off the bench that are providing you good minutes. And so now let's see how that translates to December. I'm excited to see. I think this team has a chance to be pretty darn good. But we'll find out here pretty quickly with some of these games in December. And obviously, Indiana needs to rack up as many wins as possible, especially in some of the opportunities away from home to get that resume uh, ready for March. And it all starts Tuesday against Florida State. Hopefully Indiana's ready. Hopefully we look back on this game and it's like, okay, they were just kind of looking past. They got sick of playing these, you know, sub-180 teams, and they were ready for the big games to start. Let's hope that's what we're saying on Tuesday after IU Florida State. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Call, and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Monday for Banner Monday. Until then, take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym. Avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only
1: for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Worried about mom or dad falling? The Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health helps make their home safer, even if you can't be there. Symphony works with voice activation or a care button they can opt to wear, along with smart sensors for coverage around the home.
0: With 24-7 emergency response and an app to tie it all together, you can monitor your loved one's well-being for enhanced peace of mind. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com slash symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub.